Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. Attorney Lance Siebel. Now, if you've listened to this podcast series with any regularity over the last uh, four years now, you'll recognize that name from the numerous times that Lance has joined us to share his insights on a number of different legal topics. And, uh, of course, uh, this is Jim Mitchell, and uh, I'm here each week, and it's my pleasure to reintroduce Lance to you just uh, momentarily here as we dive into another edition of Chicago's Legal Latte. Uh, today we're going to review the topic of mechanics liens. We've heard about these in, in some previous conversations, and today they, they kind of take center stage as we're going to spend some time digging more deeply into the subject. So let's go ahead and do that now and get ourselves started. Lance, uh, thanks for taking the time. Nice to speak with you again today. Good talking to you, Jim. So as I just mentioned, we, we've certainly heard the term mechanics liens in past conversations and, and discussed it tangentially at least. So let's start from the top today with a full and complete definition of what that term means from a legal perspective. Sure. Well, mechanics lien is something that's created by, in this particular case, Illinois statute. And what it is, in its most technical term, is it's a lien that's recorded against property, commercial, residential, by an individual that has done work on the property as a contractor, subcontractor, or sub-subcontractor, and that has not been paid. And it basically is, it's an attempt for them to get their money that they're due. Okay. Tell me about just maybe some examples of situations you might have seen or what might represent this in terms of the the work type of work done and, and situations in which this might come up. Oh, sure. If you start it on a very simple level, and then we can maybe extrapolate that out a few levels if necessary. Um, I hire somebody to do some work on my house. Um, I don't end up paying them. They don't really have a good way to come after me to get the money. Um, They might, they might not. So as a kind of leverage to get me to pay, they record a mechanics lien against my property, and then they have some options for themselves after that's done as to what they can do with that mechanics lien. Um, that's a, uh, obviously a fairly simple and common one. Uh, the next layer after that is <clears throat> I hire somebody to work on my house. They hire somebody else to do some component of that work. I pay the contractor. The contractor doesn't pay the subcontractor. Now the subcontractor records a mechanics lien against my property. Uh, the reason it's more effective for a subcontractor in some instances is the subcontractor can't sue me personally because he doesn't have any agreement with me. Um, so for a subcontractor, that generally is the only thing they can do to the owner is put a mechanics lien on the property. And then you can start layering this out. Sub-subcontractors have mechanics liens rights and so on and so forth. Okay, and we'll we'll talk about some of those scenarios and exactly what happens as we go through the conversation today. But now, when we talk about you know uh, getting a lien of this sort, what what does a contractor have to do to have a lien placed against property? What's the process they go through? 
it's it's somewhat lengthy, but <laughs> after you get used to it a little bit simple, um, the, the primary thing that I have to kind of stress for a mechanics lien is it's a creature of statute, meaning it does not exist without the Illinois law that makes it possible. Uh, in that vein, you have to do everything according to what the statute says or your lien could be invalid. So it's a very technical statute. Now, that, that's, the, that's the legal warning, so to speak. Um, okay. But what it boils down to is quite simply, first of all, you have to have done something that improved the property. So not everybody is entitled to a mechanics lien. Um, but, you know, generally if you did built an addition, um, even landscaping work, sometimes interior design work can even be considered to improve the property. If the work you did qualifies, then you can record the lien. Now, there's a difference between a contractor and a subcontractor and a residential and a commercial property. Generally, if you're the contractor, okay, you don't have to give the homeowner notice. You can just go record the lien, whether it's residential or commercial. So you don't get paid, you go record. If you're a subcontractor or a sub-subcontractor or a sub-sub-subcontractor, it's a little more technical. Um, and the reason it's more technical is if I'm the owner of the house and I hire somebody to do work, I don't know who they've hired to do more work. So if you're a subcontractor, within 90 days of signing the contract with the general contractor, you have to let the homeowner or property owner know that you're a subcontractor on the project and that the owner needs to withhold money to ensure that you're paid. If the property in question is residential, then you have to also serve a 60-day notice on the residential homeowner that you're a subcontractor. So you can see where it gets a little technical, um, yeah. but that's, that's the general kind of short explanation Again, it's, you've got to kind of dive into some technical details a lot of the time, but as a general, real broad overview, that's kind of the process. You draft the, after you've done your notices or if you don't have to provide notice, you draft the lien, you record it with the county recorder, it's spread of record that way, and you now have a lien. Now, when you have that lien, um, you know, it's placed against the property, if I, if I understand that correctly. What, what power or advantage does it give the, the holder? Because ultimately it doesn't necessarily create an action to, to get paid. What, what happens once they have the lien? Well, it, 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 it doesn't create an action. It can. It doesn't necessarily create an action, but it does a couple things. Number one, it's what's considered a cloud on title. So in other words, if I go to sell my property or refinance my property, I'm going to have to deal with that lien somehow. I'm not going to be able to refinance it because it's a potential new, for, you know, if I wanted to refinance a mortgage, the new mortgage would be behind the mechanics lien. No lender is going to want to do that. I'm going to have to deal with the lien. If I go to sell the property, then I have to be able to convey clear title to the person buying it that mechanics lien is a cloud on the title and so has to be dealt with that way. So to that extent, it for two years, because that's how long a mechanics lien is good for, it provides the contractor or, or subcontractor with some protection that the property is not going to be disposed of without my getting paid. Now, going back to creating a cause of action, 
you can foreclose a mechanics lien, just like you would foreclose a mortgage. It's a little different process, but same concept. So it does potentially create a cause of action in the sense that now I've got this lien and I can foreclose it. And, and as you can imagine, the first mortgage holder on that property, the owner, those are people that aren't going to want to see the property get sold at an auction. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of pressure to get that lien satisfied. Interesting. Okay. Well, we're we're talking with Attorney Lance Ebel today. Lance is an associate at Lavelle Law Limited. He's been a frequent and informative contributor to our series over these last few years. And like uh, like a number of his colleagues, he uh, frequently posts articles with similar detail to what you're hearing today. You can find those at LavelleLaw.com. Uh, certainly read through them on your own time, and that may generate a follow-up email or phone call to Lance and. He'll provide some further discussion, consultation as you need. But a great, great resource online there for uh, topics like this at, uh, at LavelleLaw.com. Um, now, you mentioned the process of filing the lien, and I, I don't want to minimize it. it. It sounds like it's a somewhat routine action, but is there some validation that, that warrants or someone reviews and says, yes, this is valid, or once it's filed, um, it then at some other point has to be debated or, you know, uh, discussed as to whether or not it's really entitled to, to the person who's filing it. Sure. Kind of two answers to that question. One, um, if you record the mechanics lien, you also have to, within 10 days after recording it, send notice again to the person or the property owner that you've recorded the lien. Um, so that's the kind of the first bite at the apple to possibly contest it. Um, past that, you know, does it get validated at any point? Well, one way that the property owner can contest this is to send written notice to the mechanics lien holder saying you have 30 days to file suit or your lien's released. That's another avenue of challenging the validity of the lien. If the lien holder thinks that there's something wrong with it, they may not file suit. And then obviously if you do get to a lawsuit, <laughs> that's always one of the, the defenses that the owner will raise is that the lien's invalid for some reason. So a number of different challenges that, that could occur there throughout the process. <clears throat> um, now you that's mentioned correct. That, yeah, now you mentioned uh, it could be in a, a personal private homeowner's uh, uh, home or it could be commercial. Are there differences in terms of how liens are enacted or what value they provide to the holder in a commercial property? They're about the same. Uh, the, the primary difference as far as I'm generally concerned is in the notice provisions that have to be provided, especially if you're a subcontractor. Um, but in a technical sense, they operate the same way. Um, they look the same, they're filed the same, you can foreclose them the same. Uh, so realistically, very much the same. The type of property doesn't matter. Um, the only property that is kind of tricky um, is public property. Uh, you can put a mechanics lien on it. It's not very valuable, in my opinion. That's really a whole other topic to talk <laughs> okay. about, though. Okay. But, um, you know, that's, that's probably the one differential is when you run into property that's owned by some governmental entity, be it federal, state, municipality, anything like that. Okay. And then tell me a little bit more about the process of, of trying to sell a property that has a lien against it. Um, 
you know, as you said, it, it sort of clouds the process. But technically what happens if someone is trying to sell a home or other piece of property and you know, the search finds a lien? Well, you know, what, what ends up happening generally when you go to sell a property is the lender of the purchaser is going to pull or they're going to get title insurance. And the primary purpose, uh, a couple primary purposes of that title insurance is, one, ensure that there aren't any issues out there, and if there are, that they're taken care of in the sense that, okay, maybe something doesn't turn up, but we'll cover you for that later. The second piece of that is to make sure that the seller is conveying clear title to the buyer. And if the mechanics lien shows up as an exception, which it generally should, so by way of example, exception number one might read mortgage to ABC Bank. Okay, we know we've got to pay that off with part of the sale proceeds. Otherwise, title's not going to be clear. The buyer's not going to have clear title, and the buyer's lender is not going to have a first lien position. Similar idea if you look at a mechanics lien. If the mechanics lien is exception number two, that's going to be something that through the course of the sale is going to have to be paid off. Otherwise, clear title can't be conveyed. So it really, in that sense, protects the mechanics lien holder because if the property does sell, there's going to be money coming to them. Mm-hmm. Okay. And as we wrap up here, it just sounds to me, and we often find ourselves at this point in these conversations, that this is just another great example of why if you're going to enter into any sort of an agreement with someone you work for your home or business that it really, really pays to have a good contract in hand, a written agreement that maybe somebody on the outside has looked at to make sure that both parties are, are covered so that something like this at least might be minimized if not prevented. Yeah, I mean, that's generally a good idea. I mean, obviously the primary issue you run in there into there is you're generally working with the general contractor's agreement which, you know, if I'm representing the general contractor is a good thing most of the time. Um, if you're the person the work on your home is being done on or your property is being done, you kind of have to look at it a little bit more carefully. Well, that's uh, that's a lot in a quarter hour there, and as always, um, glad to get as much in as we can. My thanks to uh, Lance Ebel of Lavelle Law for making himself available. It's always a great, uh, great pleasure to have him here and get him to share some time with us. Um, so we've we've covered a lot of ground. We've got more coming up, of course, each week we're back here. And if you ever miss conversations, you can revert back to LavelleLaw.com. You can check iTunes or right here on Blog Talk Radio and find a complete archive of all of our past conversations. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Chicago's Legal Latte. If you have any questions or topics for a future episode, please call Lavelle Law Limited at 847-705-7555 or email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.